Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is with Heather Scholes. Heather is a not only a fantastic runner, but someone who has been very good for a long time. So she uh, was an, uh, was a basically a walk-on at University of Central Florida and then earned a scholarship while she was there becoming their number one runner and then really hasn't looked back since. And her progression as a marathoner really has kind of been 12 to 15 years in the making. It's just little bit by little bit, just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And now at the age of 44, not only is she an accomplished runner, but she's also raised a very accomplished junior runner. So we dive in to a lot of things in this episode. We talk about her running background, how she chipped away at those marathon times, how she ended up getting under three hours, 12 different times, in the marathon, um, after kind of starting around the 330 range, we talk a lot about positive mindset, how she utilizes it, um, why she utilizes it, the self-talk she uses. And we also dive into parenting, you know, what she has done uh, to help raise uh, her daughter, Amber, who is a, a big time junior runner. Um, we don't talk a lot about Amber specifically. We just talk more about parenting styles and, and how, how she's gone about it without trying to push her daughter into something that obviously uh, Heather loves. It just kind of has worked out that way. Um, and it's very similar to uh, a conversation I had with a guest right at the beginning of this podcast about a year ago with David Principe. Um, his son, DJ, just finished up his freshman year at Stanford. And we talk a lot about that in, in this episode as well. It's just, you know, runners who very much love running, who end up raising very good runners and the inherent potential conflicts in that. Um, so, Anyway, we talk about a lot of things running in this episode. I hope you like it. Heather really has a, a lot to say. She's very accomplished, and she really uh, dives into a lot of the questions uh, during this episode. So we went long, went over an hour, and I hope you like what you hear. If you do, please share it with the people you know. Uh, I always love that. It's very much appreciated. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Heather Schultz. Hello, Heather, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hello, Matt. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. It's uh, I know it's been a pretty hectic evening for you just coming home from a track workout. What was the, uh, what was the workout today? Um, well, today wasn't really a workout. Today was like the first, um, the first day of like their new session for Track Shack, and I've trained with them for years. Um, and so tonight they did like a mile time trial um, just to kind of, well, they invite new people out and, you know, kind of gauges where everybody is, um, you know, and that's how they put them into groups, actually. So if you do like a 615 or under, you're in the fast group and then they have it broken down to into two other groups as well. Nice. So, yeah. So, so is that a barometer for you also for some of your tr upcoming training or is it just more of just this is just kind of the standard thing for this running group and it's just kind of more of a tradition? It, it, well, it is kind of a tradition. We don't always have to do it. Like if you're in the fast group, you don't always have to trial, but at the beginning of the season, it's really a good, um, I don't know, it's a good barometer to like where you are and what work you need to do and it kind of will 
I don't know, it puts a gauge on, you know, what work needs to be done and what you might run your first 5k in and, you know, stuff like that, because the first, um, 5k for their series of races is just right around the corner. And I know you didn't say it's like a, you said it's not like a workout workout, but it's a test though. I mean, if you go all out in a mile, right. I mean, you're going to be pretty gassed, you know, two and a half laps. Oh in. yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I just didn't even, I mean, and I'm one of those people that are really bad at checking email. And so I found out like <laughs> this morning when I woke up that today was the mile time trial for our group. And I was like, Oh man. So, um, you know, had to mentally prepare for that, <laughs> you know, all day. I was like, Oh, so, and you know, I didn't run as fast as I wanted to run. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I was actually pleased with the way I ran because I've had, you know, kind of a trial summer and, um, and so it was good to know where I'm at and, you know, so I can base my workouts off of it and, you know, just kind of see what work needs to be done, you know. And what did you run? Was it a 533? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I ran a 533. So, but you know, it's so hard. I'm just, I'm such a, I'm like a big critic of myself. And I was like, okay, well, two years ago, I was at 519. Then I got, you know, like literally two weeks later, I had a stress reaction in my foot. So like, it's, you know, but, but like, I, I'm just one of those people who I always tell people not to look back, but you can't help but like look back, you know? So, um, but I have to say I have been getting faster and faster now this summer. So I've been feeling great. Now, were you able to pace yourself correctly for something like this when you have like, you know, not a lot of people, unless you're like, you know, someone who's in high school or maybe college track athlete is used to running like the mile, right? People who are, you know, kind of, you know, our age basically aren't used to running a, you know, a hard out mile. So do, do you like know how to pace yourself for that? Or is it just kind of like run by feel? Um, well, I kind of knew what I needed to run per lap. So I, I even said to my, actually, my daughter came with me tonight and I was just like, okay, I'm just don't go out too fast. Cause you know, you will always pay for it in the end. And so I didn't go out too fast. I was actually really proud of myself cause I get really excited and I always go out too fast. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I tried to control myself and just stay in that little, you know, the little pack that was running and, and it's just kind of feed off the energy of other people. And then, um, you know, the last lap, it's just every man for himself in a sense. And, and the good thing is, is, um, you know, I didn't really start hurting, hurting until like 300 meters to go when, you know, you just start feeling like, okay, I'm ready for this to be done. <laughs> so but yeah, but usually we do like 400s and 800s and mile repeats, you know, and stuff like that. So this was so like, this is just a one, like maybe a three times a year kind of thing. And we don't even do it every time. It's usually just the newcomers coming in, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see, you know, how fast you are in just one mile. Because who, no one really races the mile anymore when you, as you get older, you know. Yeah, this whole time, as you've been talking, I've been thinking in my head, like, all right, if I had to do that workout. Like, I wouldn't even know how to project how fast I could go. I guess the first thing I would do is go on one of those, like, pace calculators. Be like, all right, yeah. this is what I ran my last 5K in. So what does it say for the mile, right? And then maybe right. I would just, like, plan off of that and go from there. So when you so you have this mile time, 5.33, but you race all – I feel like you race a lot. So, I do. <laughs> so, so when you have this mile time, does it actually affect – say you're training over the next six to eight weeks, or is that pretty much dialed in? Like, do you already know what you're doing for the end of, end of August and into September? 
I pretty much have most of my races laid out. I, a lot of times though, I just jump in like, you know, I just jump in things quite frequently. You'll see on my, like in my Instagram, I'll be like, yeah, I decided last minute to do this race. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize I, I get invited to a lot of races and, you know, they'll comp me. And so what I'll do is I'll do them for a workout. Um, and I just, I honestly just love, I love the people. I love the social aspect of running more. I mean, I don't want to say more than the actual racing itself, but I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years. So, I mean, I've, it's just my passion and the people are my passion. And so like when I can go and, you know, run races, um, and it's comped, then I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm going to spend my Saturday morning with, you know, 500 of my best friends (laughs) or maybe not my best friends, but you know, um, so yeah, like I do race a lot, but many of them, I don't take, I don't want to say not take them seriously. Cause like once I, but no, like if it was a half or something, sometimes like, nope, I'm just going to go out and do marathon pace, you know, and I'll do that. And I have no problems with that. Um, and five Ks hurt a lot. So I, <laughs> I've, I've been doing more five Ks this summer just because I didn't do any, like I did one in January and I was just so out of shape. I was afraid to do anymore. I just kept doing halves and I need to get better. I, the faster I am at a 5k, the bet it seems like the better I am at all the distances, it's like the more speed I do. So I've been working on that this summer. It's just really working on speed. So, yeah. <laughs> so do you, do you segment your calendar in a way where you say maybe do traditionally, maybe not this year, as you just mentioned, this year was maybe a little bit different, but where like maybe you'd be more 5k or short, short race focused and then kind of build into the longer stuff. Like, how do you decide which are going to be, I guess, your prime time races versus more of like the races you're doing just to get out there or kind of substituting them for a workout? Okay, so this is, okay, I am a very unusual person um, when it comes to training. And when I was running like my fastest um, marathons, even, I literally would do 5K and 10K training like all my workouts were geared for that. And then maybe, and now I would still do my long run. I would build up my long run on the weekend and I would actually, you know, do a faster long run. That was something I changed. Um, that was something I changed. And that's when I started seeing a big improvement in my marathon. Um, so as I get maybe like six to seven weeks out, I will start adding longer intervals, you know, like the three times a mile and a half or something like that. But I will literally train 5k training, like that speed all the way up until, you know, maybe six, six weeks out. And then I'll add some longer intervals and I'm very low mileage. That's another crazy thing that people don't get, but I've ran my fastest and I've stayed most injury free when I have intensity with low, lower mileage and, um, you know, and just like build up my long run. And it just works for me because I think I've just been running so long. I just can't take the high mileage anymore. I mean, I, I shouldn't even say anymore. It was pretty much ever. I mean, it seems like every time I get into the high mileage and I'm not talking high mileage, like 70, 80 miles. I'm talking if I go over 55, 60, I, it's just, it becomes not pleasurable to me anymore. I don't know. Right. Well, that's interesting because that's, that's one of those topics that affects a lot of people in terms of how many miles you hear this question a lot, right? How many miles do I need to run 
the marathon of, you know, my dreams or the marathon that my body's, you know, th- that I can kind of reach my potential. And obviously that's a very individualistic question, right? It's just different for everybody. But do you think that you're now able to kind of do the lower mileage, I guess, relatively speaking, kind of low mileage training because you've built up so much running in your past? Like, do you think if you like did your current marathon training workout and like transported it back, say 20 years, do you think you'd still be able to run those times? Or do you think you built up kind of like endurance and strength in your legs that allows you to, to kind of utilize this method that maybe is a little bit different than other people? Okay. So I did my first, um, okay. I shouldn't say this. I did my first marathon when I was 19 years old and it was the Disney marathon. I ran a three thirty. I, I can't say I trained heavily for it. You know, I don't even remember what my mileage was. No one really, I, I can't say I didn't track it. Cause I had a little line graph in the back of my runner's world calendar that I used to, you know, track mileage, but I didn't. Oh, that's really, awesome. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I might still have it as a matter of fact, somewhere in my, <laughs> somewhere in my, um, containers of stuff from with history or whatever but anyways my dog is barking um but with my sorry I got off track because my dog you know you know, probably seemed Scooby on there um so then I didn't run I have so I, I have seen co- Scooby which is a great name for a dog by the way let me just interject like I could hear him in the background that that is a great name for a dog so kudos to you yeah <laughs> it's because he's really goofy he's just a big goofy dog So, um, okay. So then I went to college and I ran on scholarship at UCF. Oh yeah. Like, Oh, if you ask me how all this got started, oh man. But anyway, so I walked on UCF as one of their number one runners and, um, and ended up, you know, with a full ride for the rest of my college. Um, you know, but that, that's a whole nother story. So anyways, um, I didn't do another marathon until I was 30. And it was one of those things where I, I, I did a 5k and I had a friend go, Hey, you want to do a marathon? We're got a group going to Chicago. And I was like, Oh, sure. And I mean, this was July and you know, that's Chicago was like not too far away. So I literally just like, you know, increased my long run every other weekend with them and then went and did like a 320 something. I mean, I don't know, but, um, And then, I mean, then it was just for fun. I was just doing marathons for fun. So I've never really paid attention to training. I didn't really care. I was just doing it to get away for the weekend and have fun with my friends. And, um, I mean, I was competitive when I was out there, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was just training and, and, you know, doing long runs. I didn't really do anything else other than five K's. And okay. So anyways, it wasn't until I got like, I just, Oh, I did Boston for the first time. And it was like the worst experience of my life. And I swore I would never do it again. All right. So um, when, when was that? Um, 2005. Okay. It was after my, f- the, okay. So I did Chicago 2004. That was my first marathon back from like 1993 when I first did my first marathon. And then I did, um, did Chicago qualified for Boston and then went to Boston and I was like, I didn't really train Hills or anything. And my legs, I thought they were going to fall off. And I was like, that was the worst experience of my life. I'm never doing Boston again. You know, I'm, I'm surprised I made it to the finish line. It was just so painful. My, my legs were on fire. So anyway, um, and it wasn't on a fire. Like it was, I thought my bones were like the muscle was separating from my bone. That's how painful it was. Oh God. <laughs> so then, um, 
2009, I think it was, my friend qualified and she's like, please, will you go to Boston with me? I don't have anybody to go with. I'm like, sure, fine, but I'm only going to run it for fun. And I ran a 310. And I was like, and it was easy. I I couldn't believe it. I was like, whoa, like that felt amazing. And I'm, oh my gosh, maybe I could break through. It it just hit me. I was like, maybe I could break three hours. Because I used to think that three hours was unattainable. Like that was for really fast people that were really serious about the marathon. And I was just having fun. I was like a seven, but I could do like a 17 something 5k. I mean, I was very competitive and I was fast in other areas. Just not, I just wasn't, I just, the marathon really wasn't my thing. And so then, um, then I spent the, then I just started getting more serious about the marathon. Um, but not really knowing what I was doing. And, you know, I probably ran a 308. I ran a 307. I ran a 306. I ran a 303. And I ran, then I ran, and then it was like 2012, I was so ready. I was breaking, I was breaking three of Boston and um, it ended up being like 90 degrees or 87 degrees that day. And I still ran a 308, I think that day. And even though it was hot, um, but it was that year in Chicago that I finally broke three hours. And, and then, then after that, like, it just kept happening, kept happening, kept happening. So now your running goals, have you had goals at different distances or have you, has your goals primarily been at the marathon distance? Um, well, I always have goals. I mean, that, that's a, it's a hard question because I've just been running so long that it's all relative to where I am at the moment. You know, so like right now my goals are obviously to get back down into the 18s for the 5k, which I've ran in the 17s. So it's kind of hard to like, you know, I, I really am just trying to get like back where I was, you know, where I feel like I'm fast again. Um, and for the marathon, obviously, like it's always to break three hours because, you know, I've done it 12 times and I'm like, oh, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be hard. I need to do it again. So, um, which so- is so funny because you just said, that when you ran Boston for the first time and looked at people who were running three hours, you viewed them as like super fast, something you could never do. And now you are like at that level right now. And you're talking about other people being fast, but you not being fast. I, I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself. <laughs> I know. And now I've, and I actually broke three hours, like four times at Boston now. Um, and, and they, two of them are like warm years, you know, this year was a whole nother story. We won't even talk about it. That was my slowest marathon in 10 years. But um, <laughs> I was so happy to cross that finish line because it was my 10th Boston. And so I didn't really, that was more of a finishing race than a time race. I made that decision <laughs> early on in that race. So. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. And, and you, you've obviously, you're obviously a very competitive person. Right. You kind of like alluded to that several times already. Um, you know, you wouldn't race as much as you do if you didn't have that kind of competitive gene in you. And you talked about how you, you know, kept kind of like chipping away at the marathon. Like you said, like 310, 308, 305, 303. And then you kind of finally got it under the three hour mark and you kept it there a whole bunch of times. So when you are advising either, you know, runners that you've worked with in the past or runners that you know now in your running group or people you who you've met um, via social media. And you just talk about the topic of what are people capable of, right? Just this, their potential to reach certain goals. How do you view that topic? Like how to like when 
someone wants to reach a certain goal. Or like, I just, or just like when you, when you think about runners, say like the, just the, the typical runner. So not someone who is, you know, a potential marathon, a potential Olympian and not somebody who like maybe has some sort of, you know, disability that would stop them from, you know, ever breaking, say four hours in the marathon. Show you what, like, say like the middle, the middle 80, 90% of the public. Right. And you say like, mm-hmm. what do you, what are, you know, what is like the, the capability or the potential that the, kind of like the normal everyday runner has? I know I think for some people, they view that as like how you did, like, hey, breaking three hours of marathon is impossible. Right. And then you did it. You did it 12 times. Right. Yeah. So like yeah. when you have this topic and people are saying like, oh, that's impossible. I could never do that. Uh, OK, I'm going to stop you right here because I always tell people never say never. Just don't. I mean, honestly, like, you know, I have. <laughs> There's so many people that are just like, I could never do that. And I was like, don't ever say, never say never and never think you're too old or never think you're, it's too, it's never too late and never say never. Because I think that, um, you know, you can really, whatever you put your mind to, I'm going to tell you right now, I turned 40. I thought, I mean, I had a really, I struggled with it. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, I've got to do all new PRs now because once you're mastered, you got to do not PRs. Like I was thinking I got to, you know, it's almost like starting from scratch. Cause like when you're, I don't know, once you're a master's runner, you're considered a master's runner. And I never wanted to get like a master's. It was so funny. Like the first year I raced as, you know, being 40, I was, I always wanted to get overall top three. I mean, because then I wouldn't have to get the master's award. Cause that kind of like shows your age, you know, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a master's runner. I wanted to be, you know, I just wanted to be regular. I wanted to be, you know, like, and so I managed to hold off, you know, almost a whole year. Now I didn't mind if I went to like, I did grandma's and I got like, um, I think I got like third in my age group and I got like 500 bucks and a half. Um, I didn't mind being masters for that because that was, you know, that's a very competitive race. And, but when it was like my local hometown races, you know, I didn't want to be masters, but Anyway, so let me back up the, I, I think, you know, so much of your, um, so much of what you have is in your mind. And when you decide that you're going to do something and, you know, you work towards it, you can do it because I swear I said, okay, I got to do all new. I got to just like pave this whole new way for myself. And guess what? When I turned 40, I almost tied my 5k PR. I did like a 17 40 something. And I was like, Whoa. And then like two weeks later, I PR'd in the half marathon with a 121. I never, I mean, my fastest before that was a 122 something, 122.05. And I did like a 121.23 or something. And then I, a few weeks later, I PR'd in the marathon with a 254 at Disney. I was, and, and I stopped to go to the bathroom three times in that race. So I was thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm like, and it wasn't, number one. I mean, I'm just saying, it was, I mean, it was, it was serious bathroom. I, was serious I, I appreciate, I appreciate the TMI. I, I do. I mean, but seriously, like I, and so when I finished that, I was like, oh my gosh, I just did a 254 with three bathroom stops now. I mean, I, I'm efficient because I've you know, been running a long time, but I'm saying like, I couldn't. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know. It was just, and then I did a 255 in Boston that year. I mean, it was just, it was just a, my 40th year was my best year of running ever. So that's why I'm always like, don't ever say, you know, it's not possible because it's almost like, you know, when you, if you put your mind to it and you have that mindset, um, I just think, you know, the possibilities are, are endless, you know? 
And it's funny because it almost you, the way you started that story almost sounded like you were psyching yourself out of it. Right. You're like, oh, I'm turning 40. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, this isn't going to work for me anymore. I have to, like, have this whole new, like, genre of PRs uh-huh. instead of, like, uh-huh. my old set of PRs. So looking back on it now. So you're 44 now. Uh, uh-huh. You did you did say that I could say your age on the podcast yes, in case yes, anyone's yes. listening and saying, oh, my goodness. He's oh, I rich. get that question all the time. Like, you know, how old are you? How old are you? Because people don't. It's like, I'm like, yes, that's how old I am. It's OK. Like, well, that's the thing. Runners can't hide because if, if you because, you, you know, we, 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 all, we all have it on our race results. Right. If you ever want to know a runner's age, it's not hard to find out. Yeah, <laughs> just, just go Google. to their local 5K and look up their time. Exactly. Um, you can Google me. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. So what changed for you? So you turned 40 and you'd almost psyched yourself out in the beginning. But then, as you mentioned, this, that was your best running year ever. So I, what about that year turned it around? I think it was just me saying to myself, this is, I got to make new PR. I'm, this is, I got to make new PRs. I got, and I just, I don't know. It was like a mindset. And I, and then once it's took off, I got, it's like, I got high on that. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was in great shape. And I mean, I was training hard. I was in great shape. I was like, um, injury free. I mean, that's a big thing for me is staying injury free. Um, and, um, and it just, it just snowballed in a good way. It was just one thing after another. I was just having a great, I was just having a great year, you know? And, and, you know, I, yeah, I think we all get inspired from other people and stuff like that. And I just, I don't know. I just think that, um, me inspiring others helped inspired myself, you know, like when you know that you're touching other people's lives, you know, and and, in turn touches your life because you realize that what you're doing is inspiring others. And, you know, that, you know, I think that has had a lot to do with it as well, but a lot, you know, it's really your mindset. You You just have to, you have to believe that it's possible if you don't believe it, because I've actually doubted myself so much. Every time I get injured, I'm like, because I'm over 40, I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this it? Oh, my gosh. You know, like, you just, you, you panic a little bit. And I don't know, like, I've come to that point now where I still do that sometimes, but I know how to, like, turn it around in my mind really quick and just never give up. I'm just not going to give up. I'm going to be, I don't even know how old, but I'm going to run till. You know, I can't walk anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. Hey, there's, there's an 85-year-old man who's run like the last 25 Mount Washington races. Oh, that's amazing. See, that's so awesome to me. And that's another thing about, you know, keeping my mileage down. You know, I, th- I feel like I'm saving it for the future. <laughs> you know, I mean, that sounds really silly, but I want to run for a long time. And I don't want to get beat up and burned out. And um, I actually went to high mileage um, before and it started feeling like a chore to me you know just because it was on my schedule to go run six easy well I didn't feel like running at all because I was just so wore out from all the other mileage and you know when it's time to take a day off if my body says it's off I I don't think twice about it I'm I'll go to the gym and I'll lift and um I don't um I don't feel guilty about taking those days off if I need them and I and I always bounce back way faster than if I just go out and run eight easy miles my body needs a break. And that's just me. That's not everybody, but that's me. Right. That's so true. It is so individualistic like that, right? There's some people who have oh, never taken a day off for 20 years. Literally, I interviewed a guy for this podcast who didn't take off a day, for, has not taken a day off for 20 years. Unfortunately, the audio oh. got all messed up. So I know he's never able to, to publish that podcast, but it did happen. Oh, my gosh. Um, but then and I'm in the same boat as you. 
where like if I go 10 days without a day off, I know it. Like my body knows it. And it's not just like a running thing. I've been the same way with basketball when I was younger and I played in college. Like I would get run down so easy, but then I had one day off and I'd be like back to hundred percent. Like it was yeah. so quick. Now going thing- back. Oh, I'm sorry. Go you, no, I was just going to say, well, I'm just going to say, you know, for me, I really, I just love running and I, and, and it's a relief, you know, it's a release for me. It's like, you know, my, it's my me time. It's, it, it, I feel like it solves so many of my problems, you know, when you go out and run and it's, you know, you feel so much, all your stress is gone. If you're happy and you go run, you're more happy. If you're sad, you go run, it makes you happy. I mean, they're just, and so when it starts becoming, you know, I don't know, I want to keep it that way. And if it becomes like a chore, then it just has a different meaning. doesn't mean I don't want to be fast and I, I work hard. I mean, I do my speed workouts. I take my runs very seriously but I make sure that I get my, my days off, you know, and my you know, cross train days, you know, at least one day off a week, but sometimes I need two and that's okay. You know, and I've had to tell myself that's okay. Stop looking at what everybody else is doing. That's the biggest thief of joy right there is, you know, comparing yourself to everybody else and all their mileage, you know, that doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for everybody and it does work for some. So, and we just have to accept that we're all different. Not only that, and that's a great point. I love that quote, the thief of joy quote. That really is so good. But also comparing ourselves to ourselves, right? Yeah. Like you, oh yeah, you know, like, I just, we, I just we, said it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm totally guilty of that. I mean, we've all been there. We've all been there. And like my five Ks, my not five Ks, my PRs, one of which is in the five K. You know, they are not recent PRs. Like I always had that that question in my head. Like, can I still call these PRs? They were a pretty long time ago. I, you know, so like. I don't need to compare myself to other people to, to get myself down. I can just compare myself to myself if I want to get myself down. And you're absolutely right that it is the thief of joy and it can really bring you down, which brings me back to the whole mindset piece that you mentioned before, because it can be all chicken and egg for some people if they're in their own head about it. Right. Because you have some people would say, how can I have a positive mindset if things aren't going well? And would yeah. you say that the, 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 the opposite way of looking at that might be the better way to say, hey, if you don't have a positive mindset, how can you expect things to go well? Um, sometimes it's hard to be positive. You know, you're going to you're going to go through ruts. You know, it's just it's just life. Um, I just think that <laughs> you, you always just have to have hope. I mean, obviously, you know, people get injured. You know, you have life circumstances and stuff like that. And you're going to have those times where you know, it's It's, it seems impossible to be positive. And, you know, you have to train, basically, you just have to train your mind um, to think differently. And it's, it's not easy. I mean, I've struggled, I struggled with that as well. Um, and I have to catch myself, and you just keep showing up and you keep doing the work. And, um, and you know, and, and, it, and it'll all come together. And it may just might take a little longer or, you know, if you're injured, you just have to get in there and cross train and don't, don't, don't let your goals go. But, um, you know, you just have to adjust how you're getting there. And, um, you know, so that's just, that's basically what's worked for me and, you know, and staying positive. I mean, it's, I mean, life happens, so you're not going to always be able to, but I don't know. I'm just one of those people who always think I can be better no matter what. 
I'm never going to give up on being faster. It's just the way I am. I don't know. I'll probably be like 80 out there going, I could PR. <laughs> I, I don't know. I love it. And if you have that voice, I'll have you on the podcast. 36 <laughs> years from now, you can do that exact voice. But you know, oh that'll, that'll be the Heather Schultz voice um, at, at 80. Well, I... it's. Well, I, you, you know, you're, you're bringing up a lot of good points here, and, and, I, and I really do love it. And, and you just mentioned that you struggle with it, too. So when you are struggling with either a positive mindset or some negativity is, you know, kind of encroaching on your life, um, whether it's coming from any area, but it's all of a sudden when it's time to go for a run, it's affecting what you're trying to do in that moment. What's some of the, whether it's mantras or positive self-talk, what are you saying to yourself in the moment to kind of get you over some of the negativity? Well, if it's like overcoming an injury, I always think that, um, you know, what you say has even out loud, I'm very careful. I never say anything, even if it's true, I don't say anything negative out loud. I always make sure that anything that comes out of my mouth is what I want to happen in my life. <laughs> so, so I'll be running sometimes. And if I have a little ache or, I mean, and to be honest, like, you know, some people are like, Oh, but this hurts or that hurts. I mean, I, something's always going to hurt. And, you know, usually after a mile, a lot of that stuff goes away. So I just always just like get to that first mile and see where you are. Cause a lot of times, you know, those little aches and pains go away, but I always say, I always say this something really stupid. I, I always just like repeat to myself when I'm running, I am healthy. I am strong. I, um, in races, um, like I recently did, um, the Virginia beach half and I ran like a one twenty five, and it had been a while since I had ran a half and been, and felt really good. And that whole, that whole race, I didn't really know what shape I was in. That was the race that was going to determine whether I could break three for Boston. And when I did the 125 and it felt good, I was like, okay, yeah, I can do this. That whole race, I kept saying, this is what I love. This is what I love to do. I love this. I don't, and it sounds so dumb, but it's true. Like I, I mean, this, you know, I don't always love it while I'm doing it, but I love it. I love the feeling when I'm done and I can look back and say I accomplished this or I tried my hardest or um, something my daughter always says is, you know, you're going to be happy when you're done because you always give it your best and you can't be disappointed in something if you gave it, you know, if you gave it your best shot. And, um, and so like that sticks with me, you know, if you do your best, you can't be disappointed. It might not be what you wanted, but you can't be disappointed yourself if you gave it your all. And so that was something that really sticks with me. And my, you know, my daughter tells me this. I'm like, where, I mean, so I started running when I was like, I don't know, middle school, but it was like short, you know, I just did the season in middle school. I was a gymnast growing up my whole childhood. I was a gymnast and I, but I loved to run. I'd have my mom time me running around the block. Um, and I just really loved beating the boys, to be honest, like in PE, man, if I could beat those boys in the mile or, you know, whatever, that was like the best feeling. And I think it just kind of stuck with me and, um, you know, and I ran in high school, but didn't do it all through high school. I think it was just from my sophomore year on, but I never had the mentality of my daughter, Amber, like she's so wise beyond her years, even when it comes to running and, you know, I'm, I'm taking advice from her, you know, like when she sees me nervous at the beginning of something, she's like, mom, you're you're, it's okay because you're going to go do your best and you're going to be happy with it because you did your best. That's her, that's her little thing now. And I'm like, you're right. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> so, well, it's hard not to give your all when you hear that. Exactly. And yeah. And you know, cause I get, I, I don't want to say nervous cause I, 
how long have I been doing this? You, you'd think I wouldn't get nervous, but I do. And I, but I call it excited, even though it's all totally lying to myself. You know, I do get nervous and it's just because, you know, you just expect a lot from yourself and you want it, you know, you want it to go well. And, um, and, you know, so I hope it always just try to put that positive spin on it and say, no, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. Cause it's pretty much that same adrenaline feeling <laughs> we're nervous and excited. So why not say excited? So that's what I say. That's a good point. Now, where did you pick up the whole I am mantras? Because that's funny that you say that because I'm actually reading a book. That's like the title of it. Oh, yeah. I started I've heard reading it like that, two actually. days ago. Um, I read a lot of inspirational books and like spiritual books and stuff like that. And I'm that's where I've become a big believer in just like, you know, what does it call? You manifest what you say and how you think and your um your thoughts become you know your actions your actions you know your words you know all that is plays a big part in um your life so i try to speak what i want not what i don't want so i don't ever say oh my gosh i don't want to get sick i say i want to be healthy you know i want to stay injury free i want to you know i never say the word like don't I always just say what I want and so I don't know I just think that being you know saying those positive things to yourself have a big have a big influence on the vibe that you're giving yourself you know when you're running on a higher vibe vibration you're gonna have better results in all of your life and you've mentioned several times now that you make a point of saying it not just thinking it or writing it that you want to make, yeah. a, make a point of saying it to yourself. Because if you say it, you hear it. I mean, honestly, like I'm saying it to myself. Sometimes it is in my head. I'm not going to run down the street going, I am healthy. I am strong. You know, I would pay to see that. Heather. That'd be great. That'd be a great finish line video. But I am, but I am definitely repeating things when I'm running, especially if things start to get really tough. Um, I, I try to, you know, trick myself into, you know, thinking everything's okay and I'm a lot stronger than I think I am and or a lot stronger than I'm feeling because you know usually it's you never want to feel you know crappy when you're out there but it happens <laughs> you know and you just have to start giving yourself that positive talk you know only take it mile by mile you know I got this I, I one year I ran Boston it was actually it was the year after the bombings um and so I've done Boston eight years in a row now. And, um, and the year after the bombings was an, an incredible, you know, the vibe was just unbelievable. And I had strained my calf about 10 days out from Boston and it was bad. Like I could barely run for a whole week. And I lined up at Boston and I was just hoping like it healed enough to get me to the finish line. And, um, and sure enough, like it started hurting. I think I got to about mile six and I started feeling the twinge. I was like, Oh, there it is. Cause you know, you're going up and downhill, you're going downhill too. And so it's putting a lot more pressure on your body. So I actually started reading people's like shirts and, um, like one of them, one of them was just do it, you know? And like, there was, you know, people are always inspiring and you know, what really hit me the most was when I passed, um, someone who had, um, you know, they didn't have any legs. <laughs> they were running with those, what are they called? 
you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I actually had a woman on the podcast who who has who has one on her on her leg, and now I'm I'm like extending this story because I'm trying to a oh, blade, a blade. A, yeah, blade. Yeah. So this person was running, um, and I I don't know if they were the people the one of the people that got their legs um, <laughs> in the bombings that past year, but I was and I was in agony, like my calf was killing me. See, I don't say that either, but my calf was hurting and I was like, um, oh gosh, you know, look, this person doesn't even have calves to hurt. At least I have calves that, you know, can hurt. And it just, it totally like changed my mindset. Like instead of feeling sorry for myself, oh, poor me, I've got this hurt calf. I was like, wow, I have calves. I should be thankful. I mean, it sounds so silly, but those are the things. And, you know, I did a 301 that day even on that calf. I mean, and I can't, I thought for sure I blew my calf out. Like that's how bad it was. And I took like a week or two after off and I was totally fine. It never hurt again. It was the craziest thing, but I don't know. Those are, those are those little things that, you know, it's all perspective and it's all, you know, the way you see things and, um, you know, those little pivotal things that happen that like kind of change your whole mindset, you know? See, I was never a believer in this sort of thing. Flat out. Like I was, like, really? I wouldn't even say I was a skeptic. I like wouldn't even give the argument the time of day. I would just like, mm-hmm. I would shut down. Like to me, this sort of thing when I was younger was like something I would hear at like 2 a.m. on like, you know, like the local PBS station. You know what I mean? Like it would be like, this is, this is complete nonsense. This is just someone hawking like a silly book or video or product. Like there's no, this is just magical thinking. And it's funny. Like I, have done a complete 180 on this and it hasn't yeah. stuck all the time. There have been times where I've doubted it, but usually when I've doubted it, it's because I've been in a cycle of negativity anyway. So I've been negative about everything, not just this. Um, yeah. But you hear stories like this, like yours right now, like that is an unbelievable story. Like how you literally just had a mental mindset shift and it changed the whole race. Like that's an enormous thing. This is not even like a 5k where you do it in where like, okay, so you ran hard for an extra three minutes. Like that's still yeah. awesome. But like, no, you ran hard for another I two like hours yeah, after the mile was, six. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, that's incredible. And yet it, you're right. It does sound far fetched. It does sound hard to believe if you've never done it. So for you, is this something that's like connected to you? Like, from a faith perspective or is this more of just like something that you believe in like the human spirit? That's more of a you know, human spirit thing. I think um, I've done a lot of, you know, reading throughout my years and um, yeah, like I just, I believe everything happens for a reason, good and bad. You might not know, you don't realize it at the time. Um, even like my injuries, I can always, you know, it t- might take a while because you, you, you know, you do, you get up, you get frustrated. You're like, why is this happening to me? But instead of going, why is this happening to me? Go, why, why is this happening? So what am I supposed to learn from this? What is the lesson this is teaching? Um, there is something to gain from every situation and circumstance that we are put in. And when you start seeing the silver lining in things, everything seems better and you can, Honestly, I, I really think you can find good in almost every situation. Even people who have lost limbs and stuff like that, they'll say, you know, like that changed their life, not necessarily in a bad way. Like sometimes it 
totally opened up their life to something completely different and new. I mean, that's like an extreme circumstance, but I mean, you know, we all go through stuff and if you can find the lessons and the teachings that are engraved in it, then, you know, you just become a, you know, a better person. Yeah. And And stronger. That's (laughs) true. It's also something that takes practice. It, Oh, it definitely takes practice. Um, and I don't know, it is the more you practice it, the, I don't want to say it's easier because sometimes, you know, like it's, I'm not going to lie. I get really frustrated if I'm going through a hard time with my training or I know it all comes back to running, but like, you know, if something's hurt, like I've been dealing, I don't even, I, I rarely talk about what hurting on my Instagram or anything, but I've been dealing with like this arch pain and it's not even my planner. It's like my spring ligament or something. So I just tape it up and go and I've had it before. It just, it's one of those annoying things. And I'm just, I'm being careful and it's fine. It doesn't usually hurt me in my workouts, which is really weird. It usually just hurts me on my warm up. So, um, but I'm just staying positive and it's, you know, everything's good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a parent too. I mean, I, I've been there like, as much as positivity helps me um, with running or just with athletics in general, I would say like trying to adopt that mindset has had much more of an impact on my life as a father than it has oh, yeah. as a runner. And that's not to minimize this effect on running, but I feel like being a parent has many more, um, you know, annoying, harrowing moments than running does, you know, the, the swings of parenting, you know what I mean? Oh. I feel like the positive mindset that you can adopt in that, like if you can do it in that situation, adopting it for running is a piece of cake. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree 100%. I got really lucky with, with Amber. She's, she's one heck of a, she's one heck of a kid when it comes to, you know, even positivity and stuff like that. You know, she's like one of those kids that she wrote, she writes quotes up on, she has a chalkboard wall and she writes quotes on it. And one of them is put your phone down and go outside and play, or you go outside and enjoy nature. She loves, like, she's just one of those like kids that you're like, wow, where'd you come from? (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, wow. It's like like the old soul types. Oh, 100% old soul. Yeah. I knew, I knew when she was very young, that there was something different about her. Like we used to go out on the boat and we would have like fried chicken and stuff. You know, you take all the watermelon fried chicken, you know, I have everything. Um, and, you know, we were getting towards the end of the day and like the fried chicken was soggy and I was like, Oh, this is gross. We're not going to eat this. And she's like, mom, you can't waste that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I know. What do you mean? She was like, mom, that chicken died for us. For, you know, I'm like, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> that chicken died so we could eat it. You know, we can't waste it. And I was like, wow. I, I never just, you just don't, you know, you just, I never really thought of it that way. And I knew that day that she was going to be vegetarian one day because that just, she's showing empathy for an, an animal, you know, already at that age. And, um, like, and then when he, you know, my ex-husband would go fishing or her guy, you know, would go fishing and she really got upset about the fish, like when she would catch it or when he would catch it and it would like be trying to breathe. And she thought it was suffering and she would get really upset. I mean, it, and she would like always try to throw out, throw away all the bait um, <laughs> because she didn't want it to get like used for bait, <laughs> you know? Oh, how interesting. So is she a vegetarian now? She is. There you go. All right. So that, that brings us into it. Um, I don't want to talk too much about her as a runner. You know, she's, you know, she's living her own life and, and you know, she's, you know, you know, a middle school, high school age girl. So I'm, we, we, I don't want to get into that per se, but 
she is an extremely good runner for her age, right? So she is, you know, junior Olympian type All-American level yeah. runner for her age group, which is, you know, fantastic for her. And, and actually, one of the first podcasts I did was with a guy named David Principe, whose son, who he's, you know, a runner at your level as well, around the same age. And then his son just finished his freshman year up at Stanford. And we had a very similar conversation. I'd love to hear your perspective um because obviously amber has kind of followed in your footsteps in a way right you are you, you ran at ucf you're the number one runner there she's obviously well on her way um as a runner right now and who knows she might not ever run again you know tomorrow might be her last day of running for all i know but she's a very good runner right now so what is it like for you kind of navigating this process of raising somebody who is kind of adopting something that you do on a consistent basis, but maybe not wanting to be too pressurized about it. Yes. Okay. So this is a great, it is actually a really great story um, with Amber because I've been, I'm one of those parents that I back off a lot. You know, people think I coach her. I don't coach her. I'm there for her if she needs me. Um, I mean, obviously like I've been doing, you know, I've told you how long I've been running. So ever since I have an older daughter too, who's almost 21 and I've always taken them to all, you know, if I had someone to watch them, they were coming to my five K's and my races, you know? So since Amber could walk, I slapped a little kid's run number on her and she was, didn't know where she was doing, where she was going, but she would just go. And, um, and I just always made it fun and made it like, this is healthy. This is, um, you know, we're just having fun with this and stuff. And, um, and so, you know, when she was one, she, she was two and she was three, it was a funny thing. Cause when she turned four, <laughs> she wanted, you know, the, the kids runs were always like three and under or four and five year olds and then six and over. And when she turned four, she's like, mom, I want to run with the three, three and unders. Cause she was good and she wanted to win. Right. So there's actually a picture of her in like a newspaper of her, like winning the hundred meters, when she was like three, it was so cute. But anyways, long story short, she didn't run. She didn't want to go to my races anymore because I said, no, you have to run with the four-year-olds. You can't run with the four-year-olds. And she didn't run like when she was four, five, six, seven. I mean, she did soccer. She did other things. I, she went to a few of my races. She might've done a kid's run here and there, but it wasn't like, um, yeah, it just, it just wasn't her thing. And that was fine with me. You know, my other daughter did cheerleading. She, she dabbled in track and cross country and did well as well. But I, I didn't expect someone to have that passion like me, you know, I, I was unusual. <laughs> so anyway, um, when she was eight years old, she went to a, a, a 5k with me and wanted to do the mile run. And, um, she did like an eight something and she just happened to be the fastest girl that day. And, that was the a pivotal point and and because everybody knew who she was and then you know they were like oh and there's amber and she won the mile and stuff and it was like not even you know it wasn't very fast at all but she started wanting to go and like within by, by the next 5k she was down a minute and then she joined a little cheetah group at with track shack and she only went twice a week you know it was a very slow process for her as far as you know, we just made it fun and just, it was something she always wanted to do. Not that I didn't ever push her. Um, you know, it, it was just, I just made sure she led and then she started to want more. And that's when we moved to this other track group with a better coach. And, um, it was, it was, you know, I just think I get a lot of parents that are like, Oh, I really want my kid to run. And I, you know, what can I do to, you know, hope they run with me one day or what can I do to get them to run? And 
you know, my advice is to do kind of what I did, make it, you know, make sure they're enjoying themselves, make it a positive experience. Don't ever use running as a punishment. I hate it when people use running as a punishment, you know, um, and just making it fun for them and um, make sure the child is driving it, that you're not driving it and, um, and that they're choosing to do it. And, you know, it's not because you want them to do it because they're going to pick up on that and then they're going to feel pressure. And then it's not fun anymore when they feel pressure from you. Let Amber already puts enough pressure on herself that I would never say that, oh, you should PR, you know, whatever. I, I don't want her. As a matter of fact, I would love to see her just develop very slowly and have her best years in college, you know, because these kids that are really good at a young age, many of them burn out and it's not physically, they burn out emotionally, you know, they'll level off and then they get frustrated and their parents are still pushing them and it makes them just not want to do it anymore. And it's so and, different with girls too, because you have, you know, girls, well, you know, obviously they, they mature faster than boys do physically. And it's just, it's, yeah. it, 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 it definitely can change things up from like you look at the Foot Locker All-Americans rarely are they four years later the college All-Americans you say rarely but like it's not like a, it's not a direct correlation by no, any means no it's not I did a lot of I've done a lot of research on runners that are young and then continue as they're older like Jordan Hase she's one of them there's there's quite a few Jenny Simpson you know all them ran really well through you know high school college and they're still in the you know professional but there was a lot of people with them running and they're not doing it anymore. And a lot of them do suffer from just like the, the pressure, you know, it's kind of like, you know, even, and, and it's, it's off the subject, but like a lot of people, as they get older too, if they were a really fast runner and then they go into masters and they start slowing down, they get so frustrated because they're not performing the way they want to perform anymore. So they just don't do it anymore. Uh, I'm never going to be that person. You know, it's all, I'm, you know, I'm always going to be that person to show up. I want to teach her. And that's what I've always taught her that, that's why I do races, not just to win or not just a PR. I want it to be, it's a passion. You do it because it's good for you. You do it just to challenge yourself for that day. Or um, if I only raced when I was in my best shape, I'd never race, you know, and I don't want to do that. I mean, that's fine. You know, it's what I love to do. That's a so. great point. That's a great point. And then and also when go back to the, the kids too. The reverse is also true is that you have the late bloomers. So it's not even like, all right, say the footlocker all Americans aren't necessarily all Americans four years later. It's not only because say maybe half of them didn't reach their potential. There's the other group who maybe just bloomed late. Right. So that's why yeah. it's important it's, to focus yeah. on just like the positivity of like, Hey, if you enjoy it, keep doing it. I'm not going to focus on the, on the performance because who's to say when this person's going to kind of come into their own. So if you put too much emphasis on results too early, you know, you're just, you're just kind of like, you know, capping them at the knees a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was reading somewhere too, that if a kid's like going through a growth spurt or something, you know, um, they might, there's gonna be many times where they're like level off and their, or their performance isn't going to be, you know, it might actually drop a little or, you know, plateau. And that's when, you know, you probably should just back off their training a little bit, let them have that break or, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's really just paying attention to what's going on. And, um, honestly, I, I really just like Amber's taking a two week break right now. She had her junior Olympics, got all American seventh place. That was honestly like one of the best experiences ever. And now we're taking that break. She's 
going into high school, starting cross country. We've already talked to all her coaches. They're, they're training already, but she's been training all summer. So she's not losing anything. If anything, she's going to be all healed up and ready to go. And it'll be the best thing for her is taking this break. And, um, um, but yeah, so she's starting a whole new chapter right now, high school running. She's never had that before. Right. Um, so, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I had to I, do a lot of talking with her coaches, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was thinking too, about this article that was in the New York times, I think it was like a month ago. It was an article about one of the elite high school runners. And I just can't remember her name right now, but the article, especially at the beginning of it was so condescending. It was kind of like in a way of saying like, Hey, you know, the only thing that's going to stop her is if she like, you know, is if she basically lets, lets her body go a little bit. And like, they basically, the way they talked about it was very like, they're talking about her body in a way that it was like this oh. commodity in a way. So I remember seeing like the reaction from some professional runners. And the one that sticks out was Lauren Fleshman, who's very like, a, you know, very bo- body positive advocate. Absolutely, yeah. And she was like, you mean the way every woman who has ever matured, you know, like she had like a very like sarcastic, nasty comment, like towards the author, not nasty in a bad way, but in a good way. Like, what do you think is going to happen to her body when she goes from age 16 to 25? Like, what what do you what do you think is going to happen? Like, she's going to mature as every woman has in history. And, you know. Like, that's just the way it goes, man. Like, knock it off. Yeah. And, like, don't sit here. I can't here even believe your... someone would say that. <laughs> you know, like, that would even be a topic, especially in this day and age. You know, you just leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It, sure. it, was, it was very it was very unique. And, I, you know, it was, it was almost like putting running in the same way that you see some some people put, like, gymnastics in a way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Almost like, like how, like, an age, like, almost like there's an age cap because of how, like, the body matures. But it was yeah. so unique for running because you see – I mean, you see runners all the time who are in their early 30s who are, you know, setting PRs at the professional level to oh, say yeah. nothing of amateurs. Run, so it running was, it was is definitely a different, yeah, it's a definitely a different ball game. I was a gymnast, so, and I actually kind of did happen to me. I crew like five inches over one summer and I was like, oh, I, it just changed me as a gymnast as well. But I had running to fall back on, which was the best thing ever. I mean, all my discipline from, you know, gymnastics and stuff just transferred right over into into running and running just, you know, it always made me happy. And now at least I had something to do because I couldn't do gymnastics anymore. So it was great. But um, yeah, with the kids, I I just think that um, a lot of the kids that have the the burnout and stuff like that, it's a lot to do with the pressure that their parents and coaches have put on them. Um, And, you know, they, it's a, it's a, it's emotional burnout. And I've read so much about it and, Um, I just want, I want Amber to realize it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not all about winning. It's be passionate. I want her to be able to enjoy the rest of her life, not just do it because she's fast. And what's great about her. She knows this. That's why she's make, make sure she takes breaks and, um, you know what I'm saying? Like she's, she's very aware. So that's why she doesn't get caught up in it. So, yeah. Super humble too, you know. She's just one of those kids. You're like, where did you come from, girl? I love it, but geez, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that, that's a good point. You know, my daughter's six, and so she's starting to get into you know athletics and extracurricular activities and things like that. And here's something that I struggle with. So I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Um, 
I struggle with the notion of if she does something really well, I want to like, obviously I want to be positive and I'm, I'm genuinely happy for her. Right. Like, so I'm like, when I'm, when I'm positive, I'm expressing how I, who I, how I feel in the moment. And, you know, I don't think that's a negative thing. I'm positive for her doing well. However, I do at times worry about being too positive because I don't want her to be able to compare that reaction later on. So maybe she doesn't do as great and I'm still positive, but maybe I'm not as positive. You know what I mean? So I think like, you're being too hard on yourself. Yeah, but you know what I mean? So I, I, I wonder with that sort of thing, because I don't want to like, again, I'm like thinking, I'm not thinking about like right now. I'm just thinking about like trying to plan how I'm going to react in the future. Like, do you ever yeah. think about that sort of thing? Or how do you, how do you handle those moments with, with yeah, Amber? I actually, as she, as that's she, funny. Yeah. yeah, no, it's funny you say that because she is actually like, um, I don't, you know, I don't obviously would never expect her to PR all the time, you know, but sometimes she, she must put that pressure on herself sometimes. And if, if I didn't react like she has paid attention to my reactions, um, before, like, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, she was looking for a certain reaction and maybe I didn't react the way she thought I would react, you know? And I, I would be like, Oh, of course, Amber, I think you did amazing because she was racing every week and weekend during her middle school, she was doing middle school track. And then she was like, sometimes doing track meets on the weekends and stuff. So I was watching her race all the time and she would have to kind of like, she was winning by such a landslide in the middle school meets, you know? So she wouldn't like really have to try very hard. She was just doing it. And so if her time wasn't extraordinary, maybe I didn't react um, as enthusiastically, but it wasn't on purpose, but I just was kind of going off her energy, I guess. And, um, but I mean, I'm always proud of her no matter what she does. I mean, she's, you know, phenomenal, but I get it. Cause it is something you kind of have to pay attention to. I just, I don't know. That's a hard one to be honest. Like I just always say, be, just be super happy and proud no matter what they do and just don't waver. <laughs> yeah. I hear <laughs> Because you. that's, that's tough. Yeah. That's a tough one. I hear you. All right. So, uh, last question before we get into a little, uh, little bonus round, bonus round. Okay. Like the quick questions I like to do at every podcast, but one last one I want to throw in here because you have so much experience and you've done a lot of different things from a running perspective. If you, if there's anything that you know now that you wish you knew, say 20 years ago, what would that be? Um, okay. So I just wish I, I knew how to train better because back then it was just all like, you know, you didn't have the internet, you can go look up workouts and, you know, like I had, had, had a ton of coaches. Um, but I just never really, I was just, yeah, I just kind of went on what I thought was right. And uh, yeah, it wasn't always right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I would say, um, just, I don't want to say, I wish I had had a coach, but, um, because I had them in college and stuff, but I don't know. Like, I think that if I would have just been more into like the nitty gritty of training, I probably could have been faster a lot sooner. Right. Which is in the marathon. Right. Which is hysterical. Cause like you said, like you, you were a college runner. You weren't coming from this at, from a point of naivete on some level, right. You had plenty of running experience, but it just shows that even someone who's a college runner, you know, can benefit from coaching than certainly who couldn't 
benefit from coaching? I mean, I was really just, I was so recreational about it. Because right when I graduated college, I had my first daughter. And then I was like, mom, working, trying to get my runs in. I mean, I was running 17 Zen, but I was teaching full time too. I mean, it was crazy. And so I was just, just trying to balance everything in my life. At that point, I would never even consider a coach back then. I was just doing what I could do. And then, you know, but like when I first started marathons, probably when I was 30, I just was, I, I just never thought I would be good. So I never thought about getting a coach for one and looking into the training and what I could do to get faster. So I kind of wish I would have done that because I feel like I probably could have gone way faster in the marathon had I started earlier, like really focusing on it, you know? Yeah. Which is hysterical because you're pretty darn fast right now, Heather. Yeah. And I, and I feel like I still have a PR in me. I do. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. That's for sure. All right. So when you go out on your runs, are you wearing headphones or no headphones? I am 75% no, 25% yes. Um, okay. So, Is that yeah. on the easy runs? Um, actually, easy runs, I don't, I don't usually use my headphones. It's usually like if I'm going to do my long run by myself or if I have to do like a tempo or something, I might throw on some headphones. But um, yeah, I, I'd say mostly it's no. Sometimes I'll put it on out loud and not put my headphones on. Like if I'm just like, okay, I just need a little bit of music or if I'm a Scooby or something, I'll put music on. But I would say 75% no. All right. And what are you listening to when you do have it on? Okay. I listen to the iTunes radio. You know, I just put it on pop and I like, you know, hit forward if I don't like the song. And I've actually gotten a little playlist from it now. So if I'm just really annoyed with what's coming on the radio, I'll go to the playlist of like 20 songs and usually just, you know, upbeat, upbeat stuff, upbeat pop songs. All right. That's good. All right. So what advice do you give others, but that you have trouble following? Oh gosh. I, there's a list. Okay. <laughs> there really is, but okay. Um, well, we've gone over several of them, you know, not, um, not comparing yourself to other people, you know, um, listening to, to your body when it's telling you something's wrong. Um, I tend to, Oh, it'll go away. It'll go away. It'll go away. And you know, sometimes it does. But sometimes I have a hard time, um, even though I've done this for many, many years. And sometimes I really know in the back of my head that I probably shouldn't be running on something. I still will do it. And if I would have just taken maybe three or four days off in the very beginning, I would have saved myself so much, you know, <laughs> so much uh, less time off later. You know, like um, I say, listen to your body, like when it's talking to you. And you know, it's something that it's not right. You know, take the time off right away. Cause it usually goes away really fast. It's when you, when it becomes overuse that it's a problem. Yeah. We've all been there. That's for yeah. sure. All right. If you could run only one more race the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would that be? No, you, you probably know this answer. I mean, it's, it's gotta be Boston, it, right? You've it run has, it yeah. eight or nine years in a row. Yeah, I've run it 10 times, eight in a row. And, you know, as long as I qualify every year, you know, you can just keep going back. And I just think because of the meaning of it and the whole, I don't know, like, yeah, that's definitely Boston. Well, I feel like they've had every weather condition possible except for earthquake and hurricane. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Hopefully those don't happen. But I know, uh, right? You've experienced a full gamut there. That's for sure. All right. Um, you've run a ton of races. What is still left on the bucket list for you? Okay, so I've ran in. I ran in Yuriyasu Bay, which is like Tokyo Bay, and a half. I would, but I, 
Well, if you have to say one race, I would say probably London, just because that's kind of where my roots are over there and I have family over there. Um, so I actually applied for this year. We'll see. But London, Berlin, those two, and then obviously Tokyo. Those are the three I haven't done for the, the majors that okay. I like to do. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. All right. So last one before we get to it, if people want to follow you and your running journey, where can they find you online? It's Heather Runs. It's, um, you know, it's Heather and then UNZ at, uh, it's on Instagram. So at Heather Runs. Yeah. All right. And I can't recommend that one highly enough. You're very motivational, inspirational for me. I appreciate it. That's for sure. Um, but it's talking about your inspiration, your motivation, if you could have uh, one, you're kind of go out for a run with your dream running partner. Who would it be? Amber. <laughs> <laughs> but you already no. do that. <laughs> Not very often. Oh no. no. I mean, I mean, we'll do like some easy runs together and stuff, but it would be really cool if like, we were like the same pace and I could really train hard with her, you know, like she blows me away in the short stuff. I mean, I mean, her, her, you know, her 1500 is equivalent to like a 505 mile or something. So like, that's just insane. So it would be really cool to like do a workout with her, but okay. So, but for me, honestly, like Dina Castor, um, I love her and I love, um, I'm, I'm, I see, I always have more than one answer. I'm so sorry, but, <laughs> but just cause she's a master's runner. Um, and then Kara Galter just turned masters. And I think it's great that she's still running races and stuff. And like, you know, I actually had a photo shoot with her several years ago and she's just a super down to earth person. So I actually did get to run with her. So I get, so Dina Castor, just cause she's a, an amazing masters runner. And one year in New York, she got the first masters and I was fifth masters. And Whoa. so I was, yeah. So I was like, she was the only American masters in front of me. How far was, in front? Um, I don't know. I can't remember now, but I was, I had broke three hours in New York and I was just so excited and I can't remember. I want to say she was in the, I don't even know. I'd have to, and I have to go, I have the magazine. Cause you were, so that means you, you almost were running with her. You were almost running with her. <laughs> Not quite, but <laughs> I was within four places. I say that's, uh... <laughs> and the people in the between us were foreign. So it was cool. So I could say I was like second American masters. <laughs> yeah. Especially at a major. That is huge. No question. Yeah, about I, it. I hang on to all those little, you know, those little threads that I can to. <laughs> so anyway, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been oh, you're so welcome. fantastic. I really appreciate it. And uh, I recommend anyone who isn't already to follow you and good luck with the rest of your races in 2018. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, pleasure's all mine. Thanks. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Thank you again, Heather, for coming on the podcast. And thank you for listening to the show. I really had a great time uh, with this episode. Like all of my episodes, all these conversations are so worthwhile. And I would do it even if nobody listened to it. But I am certainly appreciative of you listening to it. That's for sure. Uh, if you do like what you hear, Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Also subscribe as well. It kind of gets the podcast out there for more people to hear it. So next podcast coming out first thing Monday morning. In the meantime, happy running.